I should call back so this person doesn't keep holding someone else's dogs thinking I'm going to come oh, get them. Oh, I thought it was some grand fake like dog ransom strategy like no. we have your dogs. No. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 507 with a review of Sorry to Bother You. I'm Christopher Shazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, uh, we're taking on uh, Sorry to Bother You. Um, in this film, a young man gets a job as a uh, cold caller for a company. Um, Stephen Miller, when you get these cold calls, in, in this film, like people don't last very long before they just hang up on the person. Right. Especially that second guy who was with the girl, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, nice. I see what you did there. Um, when you receive these calls, do you have like a policy of just like, this is a call, fuck this, I'm hanging up, or do you like mess with them? Like, I, I feel like you're trapping me on purpose. <laughs> because... So- so my policy now is to hang up immediately, like hang up within the first three seconds. The, yeah. the moment it sounds automated in any way or just the, the way they introduce the call, you can tell right away, like, is this a cold call or is yeah. this actually someone who knows me? I mean, um, you, you know, because when you say hello, there's like a four second pause yeah. before they start speaking. Exactly. <laughs> while they adjust their script or whatever they're doing. Well, I, I think it's literally a system that is waiting to tell the difference between like an answering machine and a real person. And then person. it'll route you to and a real it, person. Yeah, and then it spits you in for real. That would make sense. Saves those valuable like 10 seconds of phone ringing time for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the reason I adopted that policy is I used to actually answer it and try to politely be like, oh, no, thank you. No, thank you. And then gracefully end the conversation because I'm, I'm neurotic. You know, I don't, I, I don't want to <laughs> just hang up the phone on someone. It doesn't feel right, even though I know this isn't a normal social situation. Um and about a year ago, I picked up the phone when, <laughs> I'll say it, it was Hilton. Hilton called me, tr- trying to get me to do the whole timeshare thing, but they wouldn't use the word timeshare. All they were saying is, like, we're going to give you two nights in a hotel for free and also a $200 voucher. All you have to do is pay $100. And I'm like, counting on my fingers, like, that, that seems like that math would maybe work out, but I... <laughs> I, I was skeptical, so I kept being like, no, thanks. And then they kept raising the bar, like, let me get my manager. You know, it's all a hoax. But they, they acted like they were kept throwing in things. And then when I was finally agreeing to do it, they said, and, of course, you'll need to come in for the timeshare. And don't worry, we already have your credit card. Bye. And, like, <laughs> and that was the end of it. And, like, to this day, every, like, two days, I get a call from Hilton that I don't pick up because I haven't yet scheduled my timeshare appointment. Yeah. So now I hang up immediately. Except when it's political, sometimes they catch me in that first five seconds and I wind up donating and I never learn. Never learn. Nice. How about you? Um, Yeah, I I generally have. Like, so on the one hand, I'm kind of sympathetic for the people doing this calling. I mean, like, even before seeing this film, I know that the person who is making the call is not the asshole company who is just just trying to get me to buy something or screw me over or do some scam. This is a person who just comes in and they're following a script and they don't really know what it is. So like I've, mostly I just, if it's a number I don't recognize, I'm like, leave an answering machine. And it's like my, like I don't use my phone as a phone. Mm -hmm. I use my phone as like an internet enabled device that does other things. Um, But I just have like 52 second voicemails just (laughs) on my phone because I get a call like like, like you every single morning. Mm -hmm. Um, The other day I actually... Um, it rang and I was like, oh, this shit again. 
Um, and I, whatever, for whatever reason, I was like, I'm not doing anything right now. And I picked it back up and I dialed the number back Ooh. and like some guy answers the phone. And he's like, he's like, hello. And I'm like, yeah, I just got a call from this number. And he goes, it wasn't me. It was probably that scam again. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. He's like, it's all right. Hello, <laughs> FBI here. Uh, but no, but no, like, we didn't robocall you because you're under arrest. Well, no, because one of the new ones is they they like one of the newer scams is that they spoof their their number to look like a number in your area code mm-hmm. or or look like your own number. So yeah. I'm getting these robocalls from this guy's phone number Mm -hmm. and then if somebody calls him back he's like this shit again yeah so i get a call every day this guy probably gets 50 calls a day like for people trying to figure out the same the same lesson applies where he has to remember that the people calling him aren't the problem he can't lash out at them just because of the system that made them call him no like his voice too he wasn't angry it was defeated yeah like he was like no it's probably probably the scams again uh, he said as he like stood up on a chair and put a noose around his neck. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was just, it, it was very sad and I felt bad for him. Yeah. Um, I, unrelated but side tangent, for a while I was getting a call weekly from a guy who had my dogs, mm-hmm. supposedly. Um, I don't know if listeners know this. I have no pets. I live in San Francisco. I don't live in like some place in Southern California. And but somebody printed freaking dog tags with my phone number on it. What? And they keep going into this neighbor's yard, and he keeps forget. I, I, I so the first couple of times he was calling, and I wasn't answering. Mm-hmm. And then like eventually, I was like, I'm getting voicemails that say I have your dogs. I should call back so this person doesn't keep holding someone else's dogs thinking I'm going to come oh, get them. Oh, I thought it was some grand fake like dog ransom strategy. Like no, we no. have your dogs. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> That, I'm like, fuck it, kill the dogs. I don't care. Um, but no, it's just funny because like, and, and like I was like, I was like, oh, um, it's a like I finally told him I was like, hey, it's it's a misprint. I don't live anywhere near you. Definitely not my dogs. I don't have any, mm-hmm. and I live in, in an apartment. <laughs> like just, they can't be coming over to your yard from my apartment. Sorry. But thank God, at least for the Apple voicemail thing, where it'll transcribe it for you, so yeah. you don't actually need to listen to the voicemail to know what they said. Yeah. Because then I can just like go through and like delete, 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 and only the one or two that actually have information need to worry about it. Yeah, yeah. like the one that they read back to you your credit card. Yeah. <laughs> like if I hadn't done that, I would have missed out on this prince from Nigeria that had a great deal for me. Uh, oh, he's moved from, from email to phone calls. Mm-hmm. He's stepping up in the world. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> that was a fun little uh, digression there, but uh, <laughs> should we get into this review, Stephen? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Sorry to Bother You, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. I'm just out here surviving. And what I'm doing right now won't even matter. Baby, baby, it will always matter. Thought you said you fixed that. Get a room. I got a room, mother. cash how much longer i gotta wait for my money god made this land for all of us greedy people like you want to hog it to yourself and your family and me and my family yeah cash is i'm your f-ing uncle i just really need a job 40 on two this is telemarketing stick to the script hey hello um uh, mr davidson cash is green here sorry to bother. 
Let me give you a tip. You want to make some money here? Use your white voice. My white voice? I'm not talking about Will Smith's wife. Like this young blood. Hey, Mr. Kramer. This is Langston from Regal View. As always, we'll be getting that out to you right away. You're doing so good with the voice thing. Holla, 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 holla. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Upstairs, power caller. They even have their own elevator. Welcome, power caller. I hope you did not masturbate today. We need you sharp and ready to go. I got promoted. I'm a power caller. What do they sell? They're not selling, but we sell it. No, there's no amount of money that'll make me do that. Here's the starting salary. Well, man, I'm gonna have to get me some new suits. Do whatever I wear, no, I'm here to be clear. It is morally emaciated. I can't ride with you. I'm doing something I'm really good at. Cash, I'm gonna make you a proposal. I can see that you want to say no, but I wouldn't do that before you see what I'm offering. Cash, you are awesome. Oh, yeah. All right. All right, so that was the trailer for Sorry to Bother You. It is a story of a young man who is, you know, just trying to get, uh, he's just trying to find himself a good job that uh, will pay him well enough to kind of just survive. Um, and uh, he ends up taking a job at this, like, cold calling place um, where he has to call people. This place is called Regal View. Um, he has to call people and do whatever, get them to buy random shit um, that Regal View sells to people. And uh, at some point... Um, you know, he has this dream of becoming a power caller, quote unquote, which is a person who makes shit ton of money because they're a few floors up and sell way cooler stuff than he sells. Yeah. And uh, he discovers that by donning a white voice, um, this is not a white person, but uh, he can do this white voice and that will make people more comfortable on the phone and they buy shit. And this is sort of like about how he tries to raise the power within this company while maintaining friendships with other people that are trying to fight the structure that is built by this company. Um, Stephen Miller. What did you think of this film? Uh, so I just got back from the screening. Like <laughs> it, it literally ended 45 minutes ago, I think. So I, I haven't gotten much time to digest it. But the main feeling I have right now is that this is a very, very messy but invigorating movie. And what I mean by that is this is not super high production value. This is for sure a low-budget film. Like, you can just tell by, like, the way that it's made and the corners they cut in various aspects later on in particular. Like, this is not a movie that was able to polish every frame. This isn't a movie that necessarily was going for, like, mainstream storytelling in any <laughs> route. This is a movie where Boots Riley had about 100,000 ideas, and he thought how many of these can I cram in one movie that's under two hours long and, like, get it on screen? And I think... So, first of all, I think for some people, this movie was a... I don't want to say bait and switch, but it felt a little bit like the movie that was advertised was not the movie they got. Um, mainly because many people went in believing this to be purely a social satire of yeah. how it is to be black in America and in particular how it is to be black in a white man's world and have to kind of play along by those rules in order to climb the corporate ladder. And it is all that, but it is also about like 20 other things, including a like 
crazy low budge sci-fi. I, I don't that I I don't mean to be spoilery by that. Just to say that like this is like a surreal movie. Like if yeah. nothing else, like the editing of this film, the way that scenes blend together is very much dreamlike and like not meant to have the the rhythm of a actual real life. Um, and I think some people maybe felt sidelined by that and came in expecting to see just like a trenchant commentary on life as a black person in America and wound up being, I don't know, a little disappointed or confused. <laughs> I can imagine that. But uh, for me, I, I didn't have any spoilers going into this movie, but I had like absorbed a little bit of the buzz. Some friends of mine who had seen it told me, oh man, it's an awesome movie and it really goes off the deep end in places. So I was, <laughs> I was already prepared for that. And I think in that frame of mind, I was able to really just enjoy the, the wackiness of it, like the, the non-literality. Um, uh, it's hard not to think of like being John Malkovich, for instance, or even Eternal Sunshine in the way that like, it, it uses sci-fi for a point, and that sci-fi isn't necessarily like, grand or extremely elegantly put together. It's like a corporate world that also happens to have absurd elements to it um and i just thought it, there was so much just skewering like capitalism in america and life living in an office and like the desire to climb toward the top no matter how evil or like soul crushing the thing you're working towards is um yeah i don't know i, I thought it was fun everyone was really good in it like keith stanfield is very different than any other movie i've seen him in before uh, he gives his second most heartbreaking rap i've seen in a movie i think <laughs> This time around, uh, Tessa Thompson is awesome. Uh, Army Hammer is super hamming it up as his, like, Jesus, like, <laughs> I'm a rich white asshole, and I know it. He really steers into that. Um, uh, there, there are a few people that I recognize just because of Clusterfest, like Kate Berlant uh, was in this movie, basically doing her set but yeah, yeah. as a character in the film. Um, David Cross and Pat Oswalt's voices. I don't know. This was just like a mishmash of so many different ideas, and I. I could nitpick the hell out of it. Like, definitely some jokes work, other jokes don't. The editing at its best feels like really tight, like a music video, and at its worst feels like B movie jokes falling flat, like not quite sticking it. But I, I think the good outweighs the bad in the end. And like, I, I would love to watch this again and just get to like pinpoint what works more and what doesn't work. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, so tonight you were going to see it to catch up on it because you were gone this weekend. Um, and uh, you asked if I w wanted to watch it again. And I was like, I feel like I should watch it again because I think that the, my first time through, I am like, as you said, I, I, I walked in this th theater prepared and ready for like biting social commentary and satire. Mm -hmm. And what I got was so wildly different than what I expected that I spent most of this film processing what I was seeing, where it was going, and trying to figure out the merit of of like the the critical merit of the the narrative that I was being given, mm -hmm. um, and it's a tough thing to just what like I, I wanted to see it again tonight because I felt like I was like okay I can just watch it fresh or not not the opposite of fresh I could watch it knowing everywhere it's going and not trying to figure out what it's doing and just enjoy it mm -hmm. and I think this film is very enjoyable I was incredibly entertained by it uh I I was laughing I was like I was giggling at other people's reactions to to this film mm -hmm. um I was telling Stephen before recording that uh 
there's a moment where stuff happens towards the end of this film and uh we'll, we'll say it involves a jade door yeah yeah it, like literally uh, there's a moment where lakeith stanfield says he has to use the restroom and he goes to find the restroom and a gentleman in our theater got up to go find the restroom himself and missed a lot of important stuff um <laughs> that would clue him into the rest of the film um and uh yeah it, it would be like watching inception and missing all of the training montages and like ariadne learning how to build the worlds that like we see like, or like showing up five minutes late to calvary <laughs> <laughs> yep that uh that is a nice famous one from the podcast in the past um but yeah so it was just really funny that like that person missed it um but yeah so i i, I enjoyed the film a lot I, I walked away from it ultimately with that same feeling that this is a very, very, very messy film. Um, it's the the individual narrative pieces are fine. Like they're, they're, they're fine. They're cohesive. They, they run through. But it's the commentary that the film is doing that feels I kind of I, I liken it. I liken it to uh, Tessa Thompson's character's art. Like she does all these separate individual things that are all statements on their own, mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily like they're all thematically related, but they don't hold a cohesive narrative themselves. Mm -hmm. So like there are things that are incredibly compelling scenes. Uh, the rap that you're talking about, just the the juxtaposition of what that scene is doing. That was about as close to get out, I think, as the movie has yeah, gotten. Yeah. And like you're watching this and you're like, shit like this is crazy and then it doesn't do anything with that and like the, the, there's one character who has a look on his face like he's going to comment on what he's seeing does not comment that he just stares there with the stands with his mouth open and then when you look to the other character who's really into what's happening like it, it's like two people seeing what's happening having different thoughts and it's like well then what is the film trying to have like is this commenting on actual society or did it just go like this imagery is really compelling and like yeah it just seemed very strange to me the individual things that this film was doing mm -hmm. um and that's not necessarily problematic like i went into this expecting something like get out where it was going to have very very biting social commentary yeah. and, and and saying very specific things and then letting you turn with this and this film is like let me make a little statement that's unrelated to the rest of the plot and you just talk about this after the movie's over <laughs> and it's like hard to it's hard to fully appreciate these individual moments because I feel like they're not necessarily building to a total narrative and then I've also like my other little nitpicky complaint about the film is just that it, it seems to mix metaphors a lot um, it's it's like subverting some of your expectations of the metaphor it's going for but then it then double or reverses back on that later on in the film and it's just it's kind of hard to watch it and want to know the overall message you're getting from the film you're just like okay well I'll just stop trying to contemplate what it's doing and just enjoy the ride and then you have fun with it yeah so i i think i definitely get what you're saying though i, I would say there is a the main narrative arc that does have a cohesive message is basically fuck capitalism right that and this of course is putting a clear racial spin on capitalism which makes sense like the two are super related definitely and it isn't a coincidence that the people that tend to get screwed over the most are often like black or brown people and that in order to like get ahead they need to kind of put on the white voice and and act 
act the way the man wants them to act, you know? But I, I, I don't think that's carried through. Like, it, it's his white voice that allows him to succeed. But, like, I think that, like, the people who are being fucked over by the capitalists are just regular people who get tricked into joining we... Um, who's the parent company of Regal View? I... Isn't it, like, we something? I I don't remember what it, what it is the the company that does like work for life yeah 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 like the, like, the thinly veiled yeah, slavery and and, and it, it, it it's thinly veiled slavery but it's not the film doesn't depict it as only certain groups of people being sucked into it like it's a thing where just everybody no 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 the board. of course not yeah so yeah. It, it's more against capitalism and the one percent right yeah, yeah but but it is still. I think it's about like the unique challenge that a like a black person living in East Oakland would feel trying to climb the corporate ladder and in the process selling out so much that they stood for and so much that they know about their life. And I think like yeah, yeah, like yeah, it, it isn't only racial, but I think like there's a really like there's a particular absurdity to it when you're looking around and it's like these people up at the top, like this is not what i'm about right like i see that this is evil and i'm still playing into it because i'm trying to get you know get my slice of the american dream yeah 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 um i totally forget what i was gonna say (laughs) (laughs) so you you mentioned before that it it feels like it has a lot of ideas that it just kind of throws out and then doesn't elaborate on and i think maybe the difference is it it feels like this isn't trying to make a ton of social commentary in those moments so much as get the hint of recognition. It's like shorthand yeah. where if you've lived this before, that scene is all you need, right? Like yeah, yeah. the scene of people chanting that says all they want to say about it. And then they're ready to move on to the next thing. Yeah, it, yeah. Might, it, mean, it, it might it, be it, more like a keen observation, right? Rather than like a message that they're trying to drill in. Yeah. It, it's like watching stand up to where you're not laughing out loud, but every single bit you're like, yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did enjoy like the local aspect of this. Like we're we're in San Francisco. You lived in Alameda before. Yeah. Um, this was clearly filmed on the streets of Oakland. Like it, it is extremely Oakland. Uh, Joanna's pretty sure she recognized the top floor office is the Visco office. She's like ninety nine percent sure. I couldn't see, you know, like the camera company. Um, pretty <laughs> sure they go to the Ruby Room, like the the bar. It, basically, it was definitely this movie was filmed on like in oakland with local people w kumau bell shows up there he's a comedian who's local to oakland um i don't know it just had this kind of interesting vibe and i think it it's hard not to read a little bit more meta commentary into that about like gentrification and the fact that like they're trying to keep their city but this mindless corporate entity is just going in and destroying everything that they care about um yeah, the sci-fi stuff definitely takes a kind of wild turn, but like <laughs> thematically, it makes sure, sense why it fits, right? It, Joanna compared this to man-seeking woman, where it's like a metaphor made literal, right? And yeah. that, that seems like a lot of the ideas in this movie are like that, where they're taking a concept or a turn of phrase and being like, let's just make it extra ridiculous by forcing you to look at it. Um, yeah, yeah I, I had fun with it. I think the when the editing works, I thought it really, really worked. Like there were definitely uh spike lee vibes here of like cool there's at least one shot where it's like i don't i don't remember the technical word where it looks like a dolly shot where the the focal length was being adjusted while it zoomed in so it was like 
staring at Lakeith Stanfield's face while the frame was widening. Yeah, it yeah. felt super, super, super um, spikely. It, it also, I think this is going to pair super well with Black Klansman when it comes out next month as being... Black Klansman is definitely a more polished, traditional narrative, but it's kind of about a lot of the same ideas of, like, a black person trying to make a difference, but in the process they're having to, like, blend into this world that they don't stand for. And ultimately, like, the people around them who are the more hardcore activists or artists or the people that are, like, really openly fighting this fight, can they respect them for it or will they leave them for it? You know, yeah. And I think that that uh, kind of struggle or that fight of who do I want to be, right? Do I want to play along so I can wield power and maybe make more of a difference because of it? Or do I want to stand in protest, but then maybe all I'm doing is, you know, making art for nobody? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's super hard to talk about this movie without spoilers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I will say there there was a nice touch I liked where uh, Tessa Thompson's character at uh, Detroit, when she's at her art gallery, uh, we see her speaking to patrons. Um, before that, Lakeith Stanfield and her have had an argument where he kind of throws back at her, hey, you say I'm selling out, you're making art for a bunch of white people to buy, how is that any better? Right? Yeah. And when she's actually at the gallery, she is also using a white voice, like a a uh, lofty British voice by Lily James trying to sell it. And I think, I feel like if there is a message in the film, and I don't know that the film has a message other than just a bunch of feelings and images that it wants to force you to think about. Yeah. Um, I think it might be that there are different shades of selling out. And yeah. like, like, she never feels bad about that no one ever tries to catch her in a contradiction or say aha yeah. how dare you do that because for her that little bit to get by in the world powers the art that she's doing it powers the the statements that she's trying to make yeah and i like i thought that was interesting that it showed that and then it just let it hang there it didn't like like it let there be gray areas where it, it isn't totally obvious who's good or who's bad was she I, like her her main argument though is that like she was they were both doing the same thing but she was selling herself and her ideas and he was he he was doing the bad thing to sell somebody else's art and somebody else's right. ideas um and it's like he's pushing out the wrong things in the world and she is buying into a system she's forced to participate in but at the same time like putting her own self and her own ideas out in the world in mm -hmm. a way. yeah so it's, it's it was, I, I definitely as, when I, as soon as I saw her though I was like mm, she's doing the thing she got mad at him for doing what's going on so I'm glad she at least addressed that herself. I also think since this is a safe space I can maybe admit <laughs> that I don't I don't get Stephen Yun <laughs> exactly is, like I I forget his character's name here but he's the one that's organizing yeah, he's the, the one uh, putting the, the union but I, I just mean him as an actor like he was also in Burning earlier this year and people loved him and I I just feel like a little put off by whatever vibe his characters have. I didn't like, I, I didn't get what his character motivation here was. Like it seemed like it was hinting that there was more to him or more to his past than just wanting to organize and unionize. But then it kind of like, but just it, let it he, go. He like you, you think that he's a very principled, strong person, but mm -hmm. he also seems like the people who go around suing people for having paper towel dispensers that right. are too high. And it sounded like, he just goes around to where unions don't exist and then 
creates a ruckus mm-hmm. and then forms a union and then he pieces out. And it's like, it's hard to tell whether he is motivated by actually genuinely helping people or just fucking shit up in systems because like, that's what he wants to do. I, I did also think it was funny. The the little throwaway gags that are making fun of the, the media and like the way television works. Uh, so, it, it was kind of like an, an evolution of uh, idiocracy. <laughs> yeah, like like yeah. literally the, the the it's the same shit. Like mm-hmm. the the well, world... Terry Crews is in both. So yeah, right? I'm sure he's a patent holder. In the first M- maybe that was supposed to be an homage to that. But yeah, it, it was kind of like I was fine with I'm fine with things being similar. But when like idiocracy has the show that's just somebody getting uh, kicked in the nuts, and then this this our TV in this universe has the show where it's the people being punched in the face yeah. repeatedly. I was like. You know that's like the same show, right? Uh, like I, it just felt like there was a little bit of ickiness mm. to it. To me, I, I liked it too. There was also a uh, the, a video that is important that plays towards the end, which we can't really talk about yet. Is created by Michelle Dongri, which I feel like has to be a riff on them, like doing Michelle Gondry's vibe in this movie. The the kind of <laughs> you know interesting, weird sci-fi. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, well, since it is so difficult to talk about things without spoiling the craziness that happens towards the end of this film, uh, should we just get to verdicts for the film and then uh, power on through that other stuff? Sure. Cool. Uh, well, Stephen Miller, if you're going to give this a must-see, reckon with the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? This is one of those movies that's hard for me to say because a part of me wants to go all out and say must-see because it's like... It isn't that often that you go out and see a movie that is, like, this original or has this many ideas. And a part of me doesn't want to fault it just for not having polish on top of those ideas. But if I'm, like, evaluating relative to what maybe I was expecting or hoping for going into this movie, I guess I have to dock it to caveat. Because I think this is, like, has a lot of really great ideas and it is has a cool vibe a cool energy it's definitely like got a vision that i haven't ever seen before and it has a lot to chew on but it doesn't have the polish that i think is going to make it really land an audience the way that for instance get out last year did or i have a feeling black Klansman will too i think this is just a a little bit harder to follow like 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 it's harder to fully embrace this i think yeah but Still, I, I would much rather see about 10 movies like this than I would to see all the bland shit that normally comes out. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that this is a film that, um, like, like for me, my ranking is also reckoned with the caveat. Um, I think that, personally, I think it makes up for, with style, what it lacks in polish. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that what it makes up for with the other thing, it also fails in, like, a cohesive set of, total overall message that it's going for and i think that there's a lot of scenes where it's just going for the joke like the the elevator right the elevator is never relevant to anything Mm -hmm. other than to be this long-running joke there there are little Uh, bits that almost feel like tim and eric to me actually just like throw away (laughs) throw away humor that doesn't really seem like it's making a point yeah yeah yeah. like i mean just like in the trailer there's the joke which trailer played early in this episode so i don't consider this a spoiler but like where it's like i hope you didn't masturbate today because we need you at the top of your game or whatever right yeah. like it's like things like that it's like this has nothing to do with like like anything it's just a joke that's supposed to be there or jokes that are made during one of the uh 
the uh, unionizing things where somebody right. on a megaphone like just starts adding shit yeah. to their list of demands. Um, yeah, those didn't land for me. Like maybe if the audience was into it, I would have been more into those two. But it felt like those kind of throwaway bits of humor that didn't have any kind of commentary or satire to go along with it. That, they they didn't usually work for me. I didn't mind yeah. them. It just felt more like I was watching UHF or something, right? Like a, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a, like a very silly movie where it's like throw all the shit at the wall and like most of it'll stick probably. Yeah, yeah. So it's like for me, I can't. It's hard for me to say must see just because I see little mini failures in um, what I thought the movie was trying to do. Um, and but that doesn't take away from how enjoyable this film is mm-hmm. and how like genuinely. Or, really a lot of fun i had with it um so it's it's a fun movie to celebrate um but it's also an interesting movie to like break down and try to talk about so yeah cool uh why don't we close things out um say goodbye to those people who haven't seen the film yet and then we'll come back in a little bit with our spoiler section uh but for now steven miller people want to find you throughout the week where can they do that uh people can go to twitter.com slash s david miller or s david miller.com you can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopher irl you can find the podcast over at spoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash warning or like us at facebook.com slash warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Sorry to Bother You, so hopefully you are enjoying that. And, uh, yeah, that music is going to fade up. And then when that music fades out, we'll be in spoiler territory. So watch out because spoilers will be coming at you uh, like a Coke can to the head. All right, the music has just faded out. That means we are back. This is spoiler territory. We're talking full-blown spoilers. So we're going to talk about the Equisapiens in this film. (laughs) Uh, There's some crazy stuff happens at the end of this film. Yeah, and and I, I should say, like, even though I was bracing for the fact that the film would go wacky places, nothing can prepare you for that, like bill and ted's bogus journey level yeah I mean, mo- horse monster that shows up at the end St- steven and i will often see curves coming steven if i'm seeing a film with steven there'll be a point in the film where he will lean to me and say x is about to happen and i'll be like i'll either go yeah or i'll be like i hate you <laughs> <laughs> it's his brother <laughs> um but this is like you could not have possibly seen this coming. <laughs> I want to know the one person that did who like leaned to his girlfriend and it's like going to be horse people. Yeah, there's <laughs> somebody could have been like, well, if everybody's complaining about these regular people, well, if we had some horse people, you do twice the work of the regular people. <laughs> it's just like so ridiculous. Um, well, well, what's interesting though, that, like there are little things that hint at it. No one could have ever known, right? But like him snorting coke off of the plate with the horse on it. Yeah. But that scene on its own, before you know anything about horses, got a big laugh from my audience just from like the absurdity of doing a line of coke on a on a yeah. plate with a cute horse on it. But like, so, so that's the weird thing is so <laughs> earlier we're or like two minutes ago <laughs> we were talking about how there's a lot of these throwaway gags. And a lot of messy things in the plot that are there to 
that do or don't mean something. So he makes him sort the coke, plays him a video that says that wasn't coke. That was the I forget what, what did they call it. It was like the I, I don't remember the words converter serum whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it it was, was definitely some, serum. Yeah, yeah, it was something that like makes you turn into a horse. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, "Shit, I did this stuff and I'm gonna turn into a horse." And then like somehow army hammer can convince him that no that's not what it was it was just coke so that i could show you this video where i tell you that like so it was like a weird thing where it's like in what universe did he not believe so first of all let let let's 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 believe that he was convinced by army hammer saying like no i just wanted to do coke with you and then this video it it, it just so happens that you have to snort this stuff mm-hmm. for it to work as this but it's not really the same stuff but then he tells him the whole story of how, like, I want you to willingly turn into a horse and be the Martin Luther King Jr. Which, of the, the horse way, that, people. That is definitely, like, some of the most biting, like, like hard-edged satire they're doing. <laughs> like, it, it is. Be the Martin Luther King Jr. of the horse people. Be, like, the person in the white man's pocket that we can manipulate. It, yeah. It, it, it was that, – that was where it's like, oh, this whole movie could all all been about this. Mm-hmm. But, like – it's just weird, though, that like at that moment, he still thinks that he's not going to turn into a horse. Mm-hmm. It's like he just told he, he told you one time that you weren't going to be I a horse. I thought he wasn't either, actually. So I'm, <laughs> I'm also easily fooled. <laughs> it, it, it's it, like Putin. He said he didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to do? Uh, but yeah, anyways, uh, I, I just thought it was funny. that I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just told you like if even if you were counting. Right. OK. He said I was. It's like, he loves me, he loves me not, right? This was, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me not, he loves me not, he loves me not, he loves me not. It was just like 25 things that were like, dude, you're going to be a horse. Freak out because you should. Mm. Um, but the good news is there's a serum that undoes it, I yep. guess. <laughs> the idea that it's like a contract for five years or whatever it was, mm-hmm. just long enough to sell the rest of the world on yeah. Equisapiens <laughs> and then... It just it was insane balls, mm. and I, I am surprised though that like because he spends it's almost like um, like a James Bond villain talking about like how he, he's gonna kill you so that you can escape from the yeah, thing yeah. that he's trying to kill you. Like he talks about how the reason he needs him to be that that Martin Luther King Jr. person is because the horse people will be like way better and stronger than the regular people. They're gonna try and, to rise. Up yeah, they'll try to rise up, but like. There's only three of them, right? So it's like at the end of the film where they then go and rise up, it's just, it's just, there's strange, like, it's almost like the villain character creates the own, it's like uh, in, in A Bug's Life when mm-hmm. Hopper explains to the ants that, like, there's a trillion ants and there's only, like, a couple of us. Like, I don't know, there, there's some weird, like, thing that he was doing where he was setting up his own downfall by, like, giving them the idea to mm-hmm. rise up and fight back, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but still, I I didn't think he was going to turn into a horse. <laughs> I mean, when he like hit his face at the end, then I knew obviously that was going to be the reveal. Yeah, but I don't know. I I, I liked the idea of that though because it's just I, I don't know. It, it just amps it up to such a twisted level of like what we're willing to do to make people keep working and producing. Yeah, right. Like it it goes without saying that that obviously fits with the like 
themes of like unionizing and people at the lowest level trying to rise up and revolt, right? The, the company that doesn't care about them and won't even let them have a decent living wage. Or if they had their way, they would just live at the office and eat slop, right? <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we would never do that. <laughs> Anyways, mm. select all, delete. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, that was... I, I like that twist. Like, I, like maybe if I didn't know that this movie was going to... But the movie, up until this point, had already been going in that weird place. Like, like you mentioned that you had to recalibrate yourself to what kind of movie this was, rather yeah. than being purely a biting satire. Um, I think everything, like, in an in early scenes in the movie, there's, like, editing being done, where Lakeith Stanfield will, like... For one thing, when he picks up the phone, he's transported to the location where he's talking to them at. Like, those like, style things were really cool. Yeah. Like, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, at, at one scene shortly after, he, like, turns his head to look next to him, and he's in a bar by the time that he finished the way that he's talking. Like, there, there's all these stylistic things that already put you in the headspace of, like, either this is not literal, or it is so heavily stylized that I can't piece out what is literal and what isn't. Yeah. So, like, I wasn't expecting weird-looking horse people but I was like mentally ready for weird looking horse people. But, and that's the weird thing too, is it, it's like, it feels like, um, that the filmmaker knew creatively that this was going to be a tough pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. So he sort of like doubles down on the weirdness of that by like having the weird claymation -y, like yeah well they even comment on too that uh michelle dongry's movie like great production value <laughs> yeah yeah like it, it's it's just like one of those things where it's like it, it, in high school when like the class clown accidentally farts mm -hmm. but he's like yeah i farted on purpose <laughs> like where he's like he's embarrassed so he has to call attention to the thing so it's like it's like nobody's gonna accept horse people but we'll introduce the rules of horse people with this weird claymation mm. video with the boobs and stuff and like it's yeah. just it's one of those things where it's like it just has to go so crazy in order for you to accept it mm -hmm. um because it's it's like almost like your brain half wants to just reject it outright like what the fuck is going on so like, like a, an interesting thought experiment is if this movie had had a like an Avengers budget and they could legit pull off the horse people thing with like total realism. I mean, realism meaning it's not realistic because they're horse people, but like yeah, they yeah. would blend in naturally. They would look like actual people turning into horses. Do you think that would help? Or do you think just steering into the wackiness of it? Cause I, I feel happier with it steering into how ridiculous it is. It's basically just like a big marquee that's saying like, this is just making fun of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, I think that it, 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 it probably is helped by that level mm -hmm. um, because it also won't technically feel dated years from now if you watch this film, right? Mm -hmm. It'll just seem like oldie style, but it'll seem like it's on purpose, not like that was the best we could do at the time. Mm -hmm. um, if it was, hey, this is the best we could do at the time, look at this thing, and then you'd be like, well, it's not really that great. Um, right. I don't know. It, it, it had a cool, I mean, it, it reminded me a little bit of the uh, the rock, rock monsters from uh, Noah. Really? <laughs> right. Because it, it had like, at times it had like a weird kind of stop motion-y feel to it. Um, like when mm -hmm. like when, <laughs> when, when they, they try to run over the people with the... Uh, 
the delivery van or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and like the the horse people sort of push it back, and there's like them just fucking people out through the little slit in the armored vehicle. Um, it had to, it, to me, it felt a little bit like uh like the frame rate was different, almost like it yeah. just like stop motiony kind of like crazy like old old school horror film dinosaur fighting a t-rex thing right mm-hmm. um so i don't know it was cool <laughs> yeah I, I dig it <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh, what else i this isn't even spoilery but i i did enjoy the gag of uh the photo of the dad changing pose every time he yeah, looks yeah. at it that, that was that yeah. was a fun it was pretty good though just gonna say it, man. It reminded me of Baywatch with a little statue of the rock in the fish tank always changing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure Boots Riley got a lot of inspiration from the Baywatch movie. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not saying it was stolen from that. I just mean like it was, it, it was, it was funny every time, and I was always looking for the photo to like see what the next position is gonna be. I have but to say, like this almost definitely proves that I'm part of the problem. But one of my takeaways was how awesome his new apartment looked no i that's (laughs) i was thinking like yeah i want that job first of all his apartment was super like that's exactly what i thought i was like i mean i like my new apartment but like i was i was like that is fucking rad apartment right there i'm I'm about that um but the the real sad thing is at the end when he when he just transplants the look and aesthetics of that apartment mm-hmm. into the garage again? I was like, "That's a motherfucking bad garage right there." Like, I want that. Yeah, <laughs> it was cool. I felt the same way. I can't <laughs> tell what piece of furniture did it. Like, if it was the bed, there's something about it where I was like, "That's slick as fuck." <laughs> it's, it's the bed in the windows with that look over that intersection, yeah. right? There. It, it's just the combination of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool uh on that note <laughs> it's a sign twirlers right yeah <laughs> that was another funny gag she was just like advertising a sign store i like that yeah, yeah. Or at least she was standing in front of a store that just said signs yeah 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 a lot a lot of fun little things i i also just liked the um the scenes where not a lot is going on like them just driving around oakland or going to bars and stuff and just enjoying the city at maybe again it's because it's a, a local thing so i feel like i know that intersection i've been there before but this had kind of the the joy of recognizing the neighborhood i i assume boots riley is an oakland native because this definitely feels like a like love letter to to his city yeah cool yeah i think that's probably gonna do it for this episode um fun film i think we had fun talking about it yeah. um yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode and uh, we will be back for whatever the next review is that we put out. <laughs> Bye. That is intriguing.